0: I hope that's your prayer. I know you probably know this, but this weekend is not about picnics, parades, sales, or the unofficial start of summer. It's about remembering the sacrifice thousands have made so that we have the freedom to enjoy all of those things and hundreds of other things like that. In just the last 100 years, over 53,000 gave their lives in World War I 292 in World War II, over 33,000 in Korea, over 47,000 in Vietnam, 148 in Desert Storm, 4,400 in Iraq, 2,300 plus in Afghanistan. Do you realize how many that is? Over 580,000 people. Men and women who have sacrificed everything so that you and I can so freely Enjoy the incredible gifts of God that we experience here this morning. Dozens of us here have been impacted by those who have sacrificed their all. Sons, daughters, uncles, aunts, grandfathers, moms, dads, sisters, brothers, many other relatives who made the ultimate sacrifice. On Veterans Day, we acknowledge veterans. Men and women who are serving have served so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we so richly enjoy. On Memorial Day, we remember those who sacrificed everything so that you and I can freely experience all that God has blessed us with. I'm going to ask you this morning, I know my family, I've lost an uncle and a cousin serving the United States forces. For those of you who are here this morning, if you've had family members who died in service, would you stand for just a moment? Wow. Thank you. I think that's the sacrifice that we forget and they're willing to make because their moms and their dads and their brothers and sisters and sons and daughters didn't come home and we never want to take that for granted we never want to enjoy tomorrow so much or today so much that we forget the sacrifice that they were so willing to make i think you know that we love nascar my wife really loves nascar and i really love my wife And so we watch it on a regular basis, and we really enjoy it. One of the things that fascinates me about watching NASCAR on television is that they still televise the invocation, which in so many other sports, they don't even have, let alone televise. They televise the honor guard. They televise the star-spangled banner and have flyovers, and on every single occasion, really acknowledge those who have served in our country. They bring them there, they focus on them, and they spend a lot of time talking about those who have served and especially on this particular weekend, those who have sacrificed their all. My buddy E.T. is there this particular weekend in Charlotte for the 600. This is tonight after the Indy 500. And on the windshield of every single car, of those 43 cars, is an individual who gave their lives in service to our country. On Kevin Harvick's car is this man's sacrifice. It's E.T.'s niece's ex-fiance who died in Afghanistan. And a lot of family and friends are going to gather together, and in their case, they're going to remember Brian. In hundreds of other cases, they're going to be reminded again of the sacrifice that they so richly gave and made. I appreciate the fact that we never forget. And so when I look at this morning's sermon, and I look at the section of Scripture that we're going to be in, and the section of Scripture that we're going to end with, I always, always, always want us to remember On this particular Memorial Day, like dozens and others like it, we remember. And may we never forget the sacrifice that thousands of families have made. Because as sure as I am standing here, they will certainly remember. They'll get up in the morning and remember. They'll go to bed tonight and remember they hear all kinds of activities and all kinds of things that take place. And many of them will enjoy a family celebration. But I am absolutely certain that if all of us here in this audience forget, I guarantee you they will remember. So my hope is that you will remember them. We had the opportunity over the weekend to watch Folds of Honor, which is just one organization that really helps those children whose moms or dads passed away and didn't were able to return home, that make sure they get into college or get into a high school of some kind. And it's just a real honor and privilege to be able to support those who are supporting those who sacrifice their all. So I encourage you again to not take this weekend for granted. Remembering or thinking back is something all of us do, and every once in a while we need to stop in our incredibly fast paced world and reflect and remember. A lot of us maybe have used the phrase, remember when, like the Alan Jackson song every so often. And for those of us who are older, we probably say it a lot. Hey, do you remember when gas was under a dollar? (laughs) Hey, do you remember when the kids were little? We thought they'd never grow up, and now they grow up. And we thought they were more expensive then, and now they're more expensive now. Remember when they were so cheap to raise, and now they're so expensive. Remember when we first fell in love. And every so often an anniversary celebration, whether it's 5 or 10 or 15 or in our case 46, I remember the very first day I met those baby blue eyes and I was in love. You remember when? Go to a family reunion or a family celebration of some kind and somebody said, Hey, remember when we were kids? And then they tell some crazy story and everybody laughs or some funny story. And most of them in that setting are really glad they can remember because some of them can't. I found that when I get around people who are older than I and that category is getting smaller and smaller. That so often when you have a conversation with them, they'll talk about some of the highlights of their life. And so often those highlights of their life are in a distant past. I encourage you to spend some time, especially if you gather together with your family members tomorrow or over the weekend or for the summer and you're around people that are older than you. Spend some time listening. Now, you can certainly spend some time talking, but spend some time listening to some of the highlights of their life. And in many, many cases, they'll talk about highlights in the distant past. A friend that I had the opportunity to participate in his funeral a few weeks ago, who I've known probably for the last four or five years, in the last six months of his life, He talked about his service in the Navy almost every single week. He served in the Navy in 1970. He loved that time. And He talked about it constantly. We've all had memory lapses too. Some point or the other, you all of a sudden stop because you forget either what you were going to say or how to say it. I've had it right in the middle of a sermon that I did last Sunday morning. We walk down to the basement and we can't remember why we went down there. We open up the refrigerator and we can't remember whether we're putting something in or taking something out. A couple of weeks ago, I was working on a project at home and I literally spent five minutes looking for a pair of pliers that were in my hand. <laughs> it's sad, I know. I mean, I literally, I walked in, I had they were literally in my hand. I couldn't find them anywhere and I went, oh, there they are. I walked into the house and I said to my wife, I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. She said, why? Because it's not going to get any better. (laughs) I'm just thrilled that I knew where the house was and how to get in there and that I still know you. I'm just telling you, I'm saying right now, I'm sorry. Because it's not going to get any better. Remembering is an important, or at least it should be, a very important part of our lives. I want to take you to a fascinating story this morning at joshua chapter 4 take your bibles out your ipads your iphones i'd love you to have your bible you don't have to i get that we have it on the screen but there's something to me about writing in my bible or underlining some verses or some favorite sections of scripture and for the next few weeks uh we're going to try to talk a lot about some of the old testament characters or insights that god shows us this particular week, while you're turning there, missionaries and pastors and lay people from all across the world, specifically the United States, are gathering in Orlando, Florida for what we call general Council. It's an opportunity for pastors and missionaries and lay people and all 2,000 churches around the country and 10,000 around the world to gather and pray and encourage one another. Pray for John Stumbo, our leader. Connie and I had the opportunity on Wednesday morning to participate in the morning service. But it's an opportunity specifically to hear what God is doing in the CNMA. But every once in a while for some pastor who never has the encouragement that I get here on a regular basis. Who doesn't sing as wonderfully as we do this morning. Who doesn't have all the ministries and opportunities that you and I so richly enjoy to be encouraged for a week. I love this place. I love what I do. I love being here. And I love going to those kind of events. But i got to believe that some of those men and women are dying to be in a situation like I'm in here on a Sunday morning. And so if you think about it uh, this week, I would appreciate your prayers. Joshua is now the leader of the children of Israel. If you don't know anything about the story, you ought to go back and read it. It's a fascinating journey. They're in the bondage of Egypt for an extended, I mean hundreds of years time frame. Crying out to God to be rescued out of that bondage and all that it entails. And finally, someday, to be able to go to that promised land that God promised way back to Abraham. And so Moses comes in and leads the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, headed toward the promised land. They cross over the Red Sea. God, in his incredible, miraculous way, as Moses reaches down his staff, parts the water. Now, some historians will say, well, the water really wasn't that deep in the Red Sea. Really? Then how on earth did it drown the Egyptian army as they pursued after them when all the children of Israel got onto the other side and God pulled the water back? And they had seen that. And now here they are after Moses passes on into the presence of God to another leader named Joshua, a warrior, a mighty warrior who's now had this privilege of being able to take the children of Israel into the next step and ultimately into the promised land. If you read the story, there's some wonderful, fascinating pieces of how God prepared Joshua to take over that next challenge. And now he here is in this particular setting in Joshua chapter 3 and 4 at the very edge of a moment that he remembered Moses being at. Now, just like God, who doesn't always do things the same way, he doesn't have Joshua touch the water and it part. He said, I want the priests to go into the water, and as they do, I'll part the waters and they can go to the other side. I want them to have the Ark of the Covenant, a large ark that has some manna in it that reminded them of God's provision, had Moses' staff in it and some other things that reminded them of the power and majesty and presence of Almighty God. And they carried it everywhere they went. Harrison Ford's been looking for it ever since. And most of you are going, who? Raiders of the Lost Ark? Uh, Never mind. So all of a sudden, now here they are. And I've I've often wished, when I get to heaven, i got a hundred things on the list. One is I want to go to the old VCR chamber and I want to see all these old movies. I know they'll be in DVDs. I want to go and see these old movies of how it really looked. How it unfolded. I get how Hollywood does it. I want to see how God actually did it. And wonder how far into the water these guys went before the water really parted. And now they've got the ark on this side, and and they're waiting. And and had I been God, I would have had them go up to here before he finally parted the water to see if they had enough confidence in him. God parted the water. The Israelites cross over to the other side. Now, in Joshua chapter 4, we pick up the story that I want to talk to you about this morning so that you remember. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, Joshua chapter 4, verse 1, "...the Lord said to Joshua, I want you to choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe. Tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing. And carry them over with you, and put them down into a place where you're going to stay tonight." So Joshua called together the twelve men he'd appointed to them, one from each tribe. And he said, I want you to go before the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan. I want you to pick up a stone and put it on your shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel." To serve as a sign among you. I've often wondered if they're standing there saying, look, we, the water's been divided. We all got on the other side. Now you're telling me to go back in. I remember what God did when they went back in after the Egyptian army. And now you're telling me to go back in. Joshua's saying, yes, go back in, pick up a stone. Notice how large it is. Not a pebble. It is a rock they've got to put on their shoulder." I want that to serve as a sign among you in verse 6. So in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? I want you to tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. The Lord had told Joshua, they carried him over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan on the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there till this day. Wouldn't you love to go see if you could find them? Move to verse 20. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones, taking them with them, that they had taken out of Jordan. He said to the Israelites, now in the future... When your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them this, Israel crossed Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when it dried up before us and we crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know the power and hand of the Lord, how powerful it is so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Joshua wanted to make sure that people never forget God's mercy, never forgot his faithfulness. What's interesting is the question that he wanted them to ask, the question that he wanted them to answer. When your children ask, I want you to tell them what God has done. Notice again the concern that God has for the next generation. Don't you ever forget, personally don't you ever forget, but don't keep these things to yourself. I want you to pass it on to the next generation so that every once in a while when your children in your house or in your home or your grandchildren come to your house and they see something in your house or they see a memorial of some kind, I want them to ask, what does this stand for? And you have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to say, let me tell you what God has done. Let me tell you about the faithfulness of God. You may not have memorial stones in your house, but you'll have something in your home that every once in a while will remind you of what God has done in your life. And I encourage you not just to keep that in and say, thank you, God, I appreciate that moment in time, but to share the faithfulness and grace of God with the people around you, especially to the next generation, because it's so easy to forget. Powerful story. Well, no time to go into this morning. But you'll see this transition that goes in the book of Judges Where no longer were they seeing the miraculous intervention of God. They were only hearing about it. And then there came to a point where they didn't even hear about it. And no one was telling them about the grace of God. And the further away from those miraculous interventions. And the further away from those stories being retold. The further away from God they became. And that's just not an Old Testament story. That is a truth in your life and mine. The further away we get, or the less we rehearse the goodness of God, the further away we forget what God has done. Joshua wanted to make sure they never forgot God's mercy. They never forgot God's faithfulness in their journey to the promised land. What's interesting is God had a similar concern. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 for a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to be in the Word for a little while this morning in a couple different places. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. I want you to impress them on your children. Impress means st- make sure that it sticks. Talk to them. How's it going to happen? How can I impress them? This is how. He describes the how. Talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands or bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the fr- door frames of your house and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you to the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you didn't provide, wells that you didn't dig, vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant, Then you will eat and be satisfied, but be very careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt into the land of slavery. When you get to the point where you're really blessed, and you've got food on your table and food in your fridge, and you've got a lot of family coming together tomorrow to celebrate that, and you've got a whole spread in front of you, you've got a nice place and a nice home and a wonderful country to live in, and a lot of wonderful things around you, God says, please do not forget. The price that was paid so that you can enjoy what you have. And that not everyone has a large spread on their table. Not everyone has a refrigerator that they can store the leftovers in. And not everyone even has leftovers that they can do that. So he's saying, I don't want you to ever forget the blessings and grace and goodness of God. Joshua had a similar concern with the children of Israel. God had a similar concern with the children of Israel. That somehow they would all of a sudden have all of this in front of them and forget That it wasn't by their own bootstraps that they pulled themselves up. It was by the grace of Almighty God that they enjoy what we so richly enjoy. So he says, remember. Notice how important it was to make sure that the next generation heard of those stories. So when you're in those settings tomorrow or whenever that may be or a family reunion or a family event this summer and you have the opportunity with your children or your grandchildren, it's a great time to say, hey, just don't forget. When we talk, when we see, and when you have what we have and you see what God has done, I just want to remind you that it's from the hand of Almighty God. Nothing we did, we're not that great, we're not that smart. It's by the hand of Almighty God. He wanted to really make sure that the next generation heard the stories Failing to remember can happen during the good and the bad times of our lives. When things are going well, we have a tendency to forget how we got there and fail to see God's faithfulness in getting us there and blessing us at the moment. And when things are going bad, we have a tendency to only focus on this event, this moment, this dark time in our lives and fail to look back over our lives and see all the goodness and blessings of God along the way. It can happen in the good times when we forget how graceful God has been in our lives and in the bad times when we only focus on the moment and forget to rehearse all the things that God has done. If we're not careful it can happen to any of us in the spectrum of life so God says remember. For those of you who may journal or at least jot things down in your Bible every once in a while they are great reminders in the middle of the good things or the middle of the bad things to remember what God has done and to look back over those things and say it's tough now difficult for these moments but man that I see God do some amazing things? Because the goodness of God keeps running after me. Don't ever forget. So he says, remember. Fast forward to hundreds of years of time and the events of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul comes to a moment and rehearses with those who are now followers of Jesus, who are on the edge of life and death, what Jesus gave as an opportunity for those of us to remember his sacrifice. The disciples had gathered together on a number of occasions with Jesus. Ate with him a lot. Now in this final time during Passover, he has a real special moment with his disciples. They had no idea it was the Last Supper. It's not like he called it the Last Supper. We have done that. It was just an opportunity to share a meal. He had been telling them over and over and over again what was going to take place on this particular weekend. They're gathering together, they take the bread, they drink the cup, they hear him say, when you hold this, I want you to remember what I did. I want you to remember my, my body, my willingness to sacrifice my all. They had no context of remembering because they hadn't even seen it yet. And when you take this cup, I want you to know that because of my shed blood on the cross, that you're about to see and experience, comes the forgiveness of sins. They have no idea what that really represents because they had not seen it yet. So now here's Paul in 1 Corinthians, and he said, look, I'm telling you what I've received from other disciples. I'm telling you a story that changed the lives of humanity forever. That the Lord Jesus, the very night he was betrayed, took bread. He blessed it, and he broke it, and spent it out, shared it out with his disciples, and said, I want you to take this. I want you to share it, and I want you to remember. After supper, he took the cup and passed it around, and They shared it as well, and he said, This cup stands as a new covenant, bought and paid for by the price of my blood. And every time you do this, I want you to what? Remember. Every time you do this, I want you to remember. Notice he never mentions how often we do it. So many churches so often divide over the how often No mention at all of how often we do it or when we do it. Some churches share it every week, some once a month, some once a quarter. I grew up Presbyterian. For some reason, we weren't allowed to partake of it until we were 12. My parents moved to another church when I was 11 and three quarters. I waited forever till this moment, then found Jesus as my Savior, started going to an Alliance church to find out it had nothing to do with my age, had everything to do with my relationship with Jesus. And we shared it. In our context, we share it here once a month. In many CNMA churches, at the beginning of the month, here you never know. But it never says how often, but it does say every time you share this meal, every time you eat this bread, every time you drink this cup, remember. Remember Him. How can we forget? If we're not careful, we know how we can forget. This weekend, remember the sacrifice thousands have made to allow us to enjoy the freedom that we so richly enjoy. So I'm asking you to never forget and please remember. Today we remember again the sacrifice that the Son of God, the Lamb of God made so that you and I can walk into His kingdom and into His presence and be called sons and daughters of the living God. And So what I'm asking you to do this morning while we share communion is to remember. In a few moments, communion stores from all over the sanctuary are going to come and are going to take one of these trays and pass them out among you as the audience. You'll notice that the bread is in one section, the cup's around that. Never been here before? I want you to notice that. Take them both while they're there. Help someone beside you if they need to be. And then hold on to it until I come back up and lead you in it. What I'd love for you to do during this time is to remember. Remember. Remember what it was like that day you received Jesus as your Savior. Remember what it was like to have the flood of God's love come over you. Remember what it was like to have all your sins forgiven. Remember what it was like to have somebody invest into your life who showed you the love of God, who demonstrated it by a mom or a dad or a grandparent, who just simply poured into you as a youth leader or a Sunday school teacher. Just remember somebody who in your life has been influential in bringing you to where you are. Remember your blessings. Remember the things that you learned in the most difficult times of your life. Remember the things you've learned in the highlights of your life. So for these next six or eight minutes, with no hurry at all, what I'd love for you to do is remember. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. Those words are so inadequate, and I say it every time for the last 40-plus years, but it really is true. How could we ever say thank you for what you did for us on the cross? Forgiving your life so that we can have life, shedding your blood so that we can have forgiveness, offering us salvation in Jesus' name, a new life, a new opportunity, family and friends in the family of God and eternity in heaven. How could we ever forget? So, Father, in these moments as we hold this bread and hold this cup, may we remember. What you have done, and maybe we as well, remember the sacrifice that thousands and thousands of families have made, so that we can enjoy the freedom that we so richly experience in this nation. In your name, we pray. Communion stores could come. I'm going to serve you all over the audience. Just wait till everyone is served, and then we'll come back up, and I'll lead you in it.